So thankful to be here this morning. So thankful to um, have standing place among um, sanctified people and to have the assurance of the Spirit of God living and dwelling in my temple this morning. Um, I appreciate um, all my brothers and sisters, um, those that stand up for the truth of God's word and live it in their lives. It is such an encouragement to me. Um, such a blessing to have fellowship with people who um, live by the standard of God's word. Um, I come in contact with people who um, do a lot of claiming and a lot of speaking and a lot of, you know, I love Jesus, and but they don't have the life that backs up that charity, that love of God. And I just, I pray that what God has revealed to me that I can teach and I can um, help people. And just as Sister Anne was talking about, you know, remaining that student to the Spirit of God. And um, I feel like there's so many things in, in life that the Spirit is teaching me and um, helping me to better understand. So I'm just blessed and thankful to have an opportunity to, to share what God has blessed me with. And I hope that it um, falls on a tender heart this morning that the Spirit would go out and um, that you would be encouraged by what God has to say today. Um, so please say a little prayer for me. Um, but I have been thinking about that charity, that love of God, and this time of year with um, the holiday coming up on Friday, my little classroom of second graders is all abuzz about Valentine's and hearts and all the, you know, the fun of the holiday. Um, and, you know, everybody enjoys a good love story, you know. Um, and I want to tell you today the most wonderful love story of all time and the most wonderful love story that you can be a part of today, um, the love of our creator, of our God, and how much he loves you, and how he created you for an amazing purpose in life, and how sometimes as we go along in life, we forget what our true purpose is. Um, even having the spirit of God, sometimes we get so distracted by the things that we do and the responsibilities that we have and our children and our marriage and um, our career and um, all of it. It just it gets distracting. But I want to remind myself and I want to remind all of you about what our purpose is. Um, there's a song. It's in our brown book. It's number 28. And it says, From the dust of the earth. God created man. And I'm going to read to you a little bit about that creation story today. His breath made man a living soul. And God so loved the world, he gave his only son. And that is why I love him so. I was made in his likeness, created in his image, for I was born to serve the Lord. And I can't deny him. I'll always walk beside him. For I was born to serve the Lord. So if you're sitting there today and maybe you don't know what your purpose in life is. You know, sometimes we I think we reach an age where we're like, I don't know why. Why do I exist? Why was I born? Why was I created? And um, 
There's a lot of people that will tell you a lot of things about why you were created. But guess what? The truth in God's word is that we were all created to serve the Lord and to magnify his image and his love and his glory. So I pray that I can do that this morning. Um, I'm doing a chronological study of, um, of the Bible. And in the past, I guess, 30-something days um, in, the, in the Old Testament, and starting with the creation story in the first book of the Bible in Genesis, um, and I subbed in my son's um, Sunday school class this morning, and we were talking about God, the Holy Spirit, and we went right to Genesis, which I think is so cool. Um, but I want to share with you something that God really taught me in this creation story um, when I was reading here in January. Um, something that I didn't never had really clicked before when I've read this story, and I've heard it my whole life. Um, I was blessed to be raised in Sunday school in this church with some amazing teachers. Um, but, you know, sometimes reading the Word of God by yourself in the quiet of a quiet home and, um, and asking God to reveal things to you, and He will. He'll teach you new things. But um, here in the second chapter of Genesis, it teaches us about how um, God made a garden. Um, he, he had made everything. He had created the world. He had um, turned on the lights. He had um, created all the animals and all the plants and the oceans and the, the sea creatures and all these amazing things. Um, and then he had created man from dust, from nothing. He created man and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. And then he plants this garden. Um, we know it as the Garden of Eden. Um, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then it talks about the rivers that he um, said about the, the garden and about gold and onyx stone and all these precious, amazing things. It sounds like it was a wonderful place um, to live. And it says, And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. So I'm sure there were fruit-bearing trees and all kinds of delicious food that he could eat. Um, probably orchards and I don't it makes me think of you know when we go to the campground and there's like the orchards of you know trees and um, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die and the next few verses it goes on to say that it is not good that a man should be alone I will make an help meet for him. And out of the ground, um, um, he caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. He took one of his ribs, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, 
and they shall be one flesh. And it goes on the next chapter, um, and here enters the bad guy. You know, in every um, good story, there's always a as a protagonist. Um, now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, so he's talking to her, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die, for God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And I thought about the first mistake she made was she had a conversation with the enemy. And that is a very dangerous place to be. Don't have a conversation with the enemy. Don't, don't pay him any mind. Don't listen to him. And verse 7, And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? The man says, Well, the woman gave it to me, and thou gavest to be with me. She gave me of the tree, and I did eat. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And it goes on, and, and God gives some consequences for this choice. Um, and he kicks them out of the garden. He says, you can't, you, know, you can't be in here. And here's the consequences. You're going to have to work really hard. You're going to have to um, bear children in pain. And you're going to be... Um, basically a servant to the ground. You're going to have to grow your own food and provide for your, for your family. You're going to have to provide shelter for your family. You're going to have to make your own clothing um, and all of these things. And I guess what was really um, um, kind of clicked in my brain, um, that wording of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I thought about when they ate that fruit, what happened was that all of a sudden they were deciding for themselves that they knew what was right and what was wrong. And they were deciding what the standard was for good and evil, rejecting God's standard. And the very next chapter we have in the very first generation of Adam and Eve, we have this manifestation of this, um, the sin, the, the carnal nature of deciding, 
I know what's right and wrong, and I'm going to do this, and I'm not going to do what God has said to do. And we have the very first murder in the first generation of the first family. And um, when, I, when I was reading, the, it's amazing how reading the scripture, how God can reveal truths in your life of what you're going through. Um, and I was dealing with a situation at work with a very difficult person. Um, someone that I was having a really hard time having compassion on. It was a um, parent of a student. And I was reading about this um, and how when we walk away from God or we, we say that we reject God's standard, that we come up with our own opinions and we come up with our own um, decisions about what's right and wrong. And it gave me more compassion um, for dealing with a person who I did not see the fruits of, of God in, in his life and was really frustrated with um, some decisions that, that they were making. But it made me have a, a more of a zeal than ever to teach what God has set up as a standard for us. You know, maybe he doesn't know. Maybe I can be the one that, that helps him see it or helps him understand it. Um, so, Lord, help us to hold up the standard of God and the things that we know to be truth from the word of God and to not be swayed by all these other things that we hear because you're going to hear a lot. You're going to hear a lot of opinions. For every problem, there's going to be ten different solutions. Everybody's going to have a different perspective and a different opinion. And in my life, and, and I would think in everyone's life, we want to go back to what God has to say about whatever it is. Um, I like truth. Um, I like dealing with people that have integrity. Um, I was talking with a sister about, you know, sometimes when you leave the house and you go to college and you start meeting people that maybe are out of our little you know, bubble of safety, and you meet people who just lie. Just, I mean, just lie and just act like it's no big deal to lie or to, to not have integrity about things or fudge the numbers or just, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Just get it done so we don't have to be at this meeting that much longer. Or, you know, all of those things. And um, that's not God's standard. And and I think it's just important that we hold up the standard of the truth of God. Um, so this wonderful story of love we have, you go through the Old Testament, and it's just heartbreaking. All of these families that are just stressed and all these relationships that aren't going right. And, you know, there's sin just prevalent in all of these choices and um and it just breaks your heart to read about what God intended for his creation and then what man perverted and, and how um, it comes down. But the amazing God that we serve, his great love for us was that he wanted to restore that relationship with his creation. Um, and I love how he took the time all throughout the Old Testament to draw people close to him and to make sure that that um, message of love and peace and restoration was passed down. Um, and you can read all throughout the Old Testament how he's whispering of this, this peace that's coming. 
and this Savior that's coming and um, the great love that he has for us. Um, and I wanted to read one last thing. And, uh, it's in Galatians um, chapter 5, the very end of the chapter. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So the answer is, um, if you want peace, if you want love, if you want your relationships to be strong, if you want to have peace in your heart and know that you're pleasing your master and living a life to serve your creator, um, then you need the spirit of God in your life. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. So that you cannot do the things that you would. Um, maybe you have a desire to do good and to do right. But you just can't seem to, to, to follow through or to do it consistently. Well, the secret is, is that it takes the divine power and presence of God. Yeah. And that, that's it. It's nothing that we can muster up or, um, you know, ask of ourselves. It's all the Spirit of God. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And this is what I was thinking of when I was reading in the Old Testament. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. These are awful. Seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There's no law against those things because they're good things. And they're withholding the standard of God. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Um, I was in Sunday school last Sunday when they were reading in that chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, about um, charity suffereth long and is kind and I've been thinking about that all week you know I was I read that in Sunday school and then I had a couple of situations this week where I had to really be patient and I had to be patient again and again and again with the same situation and every time I had to pray that God would give me kindness as I was patient because, you know, maybe we can be patient with somebody over and over, but maybe by the fifth time, we're not so smiley about it or we're not so loving about it. But God's love is different. And aren't we thankful that even in our weakest moments or maybe in our moments of just um, disobedience or, you know, turning away from God and maybe saying, you know, maybe I know better. Maybe I'm going to try it my way. And see how it see how it goes. 
You know, I think we all, I, I see that in the fight of my children sometimes, this, you know, my two-year-old trying to get her dressed and she has all these opinions, you know, about my boys never did that. She has all these opinions about what she wants to wear and I don't want those shoes. I want these shoes. It's this fight for, you know, independence and this fight for, you know, my way is better. And, of course, I'm kind of doing the same thing with her, right? My way is better. But... The beauty in surrendering to God's standard and to God's will is that these are the things that are promised to us. And the things that we lay aside are those things that tear us down and mess up our relationships. The Spirit of God is what strengthens my family. Even in times of really stressful things or just bad days or conflict or whatever it may be, the Spirit of God is what draws us in and gives us a standard of how we treat each other and how we love each other. It enriches my life, and it, it is the most beautiful love story I've ever known. And I just I pray that maybe that story will inspire you um, to talk to the Lord, to take down your Bible. Don't take our word for it, but to, to take down the Bible and read it for yourself. But this, the song, Wonderful Story of Love, Though you are far away, wonderful story of love, still he doth call today. Calling from Calvary's mountain, down from the crystal bright fountain, even from the dawn of creation, wonderful story of love. So I hope you feel loved today by your creator. He does. He loves you. He created you to serve him. And I pray that um, we would all remember our purpose and not get distracted by other purposes in life, but to remember our true purpose, that we were born to serve the Lord. And I'm thankful this morning to be sanctified. And if that is not your testimony today, um, and you are wanting to get have a new start with the Lord, our altars are open this morning. We want to open that invitation up this morning. And um, let's stand and we'll sing a um, closing song.